want to start out this week saying congratulations to families of students who hit submit on early decision applications this week, November, I should say this past week, November 1st is a special deadline in the admissions calendar as those who are really locked in on schools that they can see themselves at for their foreseeable future, their next step in life. They take that action to boost their odds of admission by committing to schools early. It is not an easy thing to do to get everything going as you're also trying to keep your track record going academically in the first quarter of your senior high school. So a special salute to those families who hit send this week. And a reminder that it is only one chess piece when you look at college admissions results from the last few years, you notice the trend that schools are only getting more selective, even in their early decision pool of applicants. So while early decision is, is laudable in, in getting the application done early, it is still just one chess move and you have to be prepared for what happens if unfortunately a school says either wait a minute and defers a student or says no altogether. But a crazy time, so I just want to shed some light on that. This week I want to pivot because it's been homecoming season and homecoming season brings joy, especially when you think about HBCU campuses. It is always a time when in the age of social media, uh, there is a certain level of FOMO for not having been a member of an HBCU community and not being able to brag about getting to go back to one for homecoming. But I do have stories, so I'll share those on the other side of this quick break. Okay, so like I said, I got HBCU stories, even though I am not a graduate of a HBCU. HBCUs, for those not aware, historically black colleges and universities. For those of you who do not know me, I'm a proud graduate of the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, not Penn State in Happy Valley. Always have to make that distinction. But I grew up wanting to go to an HBCU um, between movies like School Days, shows like A Different World. I think kids who grew up in the late 80s, early 90s had a specific relationship and the fondness of HBCUs. It also was a time in the early to mid 90s when HBCU gear became hot. The African American College Alliance had these awesome sweatshirts that everybody would wear. They would appear in rap videos. And so to be a part of an HBCU was a thing. And I got enamored with the idea of going to Morehouse. Uh, you study and you learn that, you know, it's the, the home of Martin Luther King. And I was a big track fan. So it was, you know, Edwin Moses, who ironically the stadium is named after now. Um, 
and I grew up in the midst of his, you know, massive unbeaten streak in the 400 hurdles. So, you know, later I come to learn, you know, the great Samuel L. Jackson, Morehouse man. So I was swept all up in it. And then in high school, there were a number of dudes from my high school who ended up at Morehouse and would come back and it just seemed the cool thing. And the notion of a Morehouse man was something that was, I was all about it. And so I remember getting to junior year and really starting to, you know, think about where I was going and having a conversation with my parents about Morehouse. And given that I grew up as a swimmer and much family investment had been put into swimming and Morehouse did not have any kind of swim team uh, to speak of that would have matched well, the time that I had already invested. The answer was summarily, no, you are not applying to Morehouse. And so there went the Morehouse dream. Now, having said that, you know, I went to Penn and started off at Penn and, and it was all great. And even, even after my first year at Penn, there was still the thought, although fleeting of, all right, well, you know, you, you've done a, a year here. Now you have pledged, pledged cap outside my freshman year. So now I was really in the mix of Greek life. And I'll come back to that in a second. But there was a thought, especially when you start to realize how much pain costs, like maybe I should have, you know, maybe I'll transfer to Howard because Howard did have a swim team that was much more to speak of. I had many high school teammates that were swimming at Howard, but that just seemed like too much of a hassle to go through paperwork and applications transfer. So I stayed at Penn. However, like I mentioned, I pledged Kappa Alpha Psi my freshman year. And so effectively, even though I was a student at the University of Pennsylvania, my world opened up, including all HBCUs that were within driving distance. So it was no strange feat for me to party on Lincoln's campus or Cheney's campus where my father had gone to school. Um, I saw, uh, Greeks have their crossing ceremonies at Morgan state. I went to the Kapaluau at FAMU. Um, I stepped in the Howard homecoming show, which was an amazing experience. Homecoming is not the same on a PWI versus an HBCU. So I tell people to this day, even if you choose not to go to an HBCU, if you go somewhere where there is one in vicinity, then you are more than welcome to take advantage and get a taste of that atmosphere, a slice of the life, if you will, because it is enriching, it is affirming. I know for me to go from being at Penn where there was a strong black community and I was fully immersed in it, but there was still only 6% of the undergrad population when I was there to go into Howard's, you know, community where it is the whole diaspora in all of its glory and everyone is pursuing excellence and there are people thriving in all fields, in all forms. 
it just was a sight to see and it was grounding in a number of ways. It was identity affirming in a number of ways. And I am happy to see in these times of Kamala Harris as vice president, Stacey Abrams and her run for governor in Georgia, great Ta-Nehisi Coates, and all these different people uh, who have rose to prominence in the country and who have HBCU ties, that there has been a renaissance in the popularity as noted by rising applications at many top-tier HBCUs. And so I wanted to spend some time on that and then also get the perspective of those who've gone to HBCUs and what homecoming is like when they go back year after year. So coming up next, an interview with two of my good friends, a, a Spellhouse couple, meaning my friend Navalunji went to Spellman, her husband, my friend Shahi went to Morehouse. So my favorite Spellhouse couple coming up, sharing their insights on homecoming. All right. It is my pleasure to have as guests in office hours this week, my favorite spouse couple. So when I thought about talking about homecoming, I could not uh, think of a more perfect team to talk about and get perspective on not just one school, but two. So my friends, Nabalunji Shahid Anderson, representing Spellman and Morehouse. Thank you for coming into taking notes with Dr. John Carroll. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So here's where I want to start. Just really simple. You know, HBCUs, HBCUs are, as we were just talking about, are, you know, kind of having this renaissance. Applications are way up all over the country. Uh, I, I'm sure both your institutions are seeing that. What for you guys, when you were making that decision, led you to the jewels of the Atlanta University Center, Spelman and Morehouse? I think that um, I probably speak for a lot of people from our generation that our first exposure to Spelman and Morehouse, um, looking before that for myself, HBCUs, my parents went to HBCUs. Um, they went to University of Maryland, Eastern Shore. That's where they met. So I was very, and then everyone on my dad's side of the family all went to Howard University. So HBCUs were just always an integrate, um, ingrained in my family and that, you know, what we need to do. But again, I think that to speak for our generation, a lot of us, our first exposure to Spelman and Morehouse or HBCUs or just um, the Atlanta University Center was through the fictitious college, Hillman College. No, um, school days. Yeah, of course, exactly. School days. And then also, but I mean, school days, didn't that come out probably a little bit older? No, school days was like 87, 88. When was a different world? Maybe like 89. Okay, so like around the same time. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. our generation. We were all exposed to, we got to see what it was like, you know, dorm life, seeing presidents that look like you, uh, student body that looks like you. And it was just very intriguing. And um, they just made it look so cool. And I think that was a lot of people's definitely their first mm -hmm. exposure to And again, like you said. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, probably school days for me different world also um i remember a lot of um well not a lot but a few 
like rap videos, having like uh, fraternities and sororities in them. I and think HBCUs. and HBCU, yeah, sweatshirts. I remember the the HBCU sweatshirts were hot. So there was just like a, a energy around HBCUs when we were like in uh, high school, you know. So it was just kind of, it was there. It was just like a a thing that was in the atmosphere as as a as an option, you know. Yeah, our exposure for sure. And the follow up, you never ran into the thing because you guys went to school in Boston, and Boston's one of those college rich towns that, as you start to talk about and really, you know, discuss with your peers and perhaps counselors, you know, I'm thinking about HBCU. Did you ever confront the whole? Well, I mean, is that oh. you know? Oh, of as course. Academically rigorous as you know. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Harvard and Tufts and absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Especially Eastern. We went to such. Um, an amazing high school. The high school we went to was college preparatory. It was the first school in the United States. Um, and I myself, I had applied early decision to Spelman. So it was the only school I had wanted to go to. And then somewhere along the way, definitely I was influenced to apply to several other schools. And so full disclosure, I was accepted to Dartmouth, to Princeton, um, several amazing schools. And um, there was a moment when I was like, oh, snaps, you know, maybe I should go a different direction. Um, but it came down to money. Actually, Spelman ended up giving me the most money. And again, ironically, it was my very first choice. I applied early decision. But then once I started, like, gravitating towards, you know, oh, maybe I should, you know, see what else is out there. And then I came back and... um end up going to Spelman Financial, and it was still like the best decision ever. I hadn't visited the college, anything. So many people do like these college tours. I hadn't seen anything. I just felt it in my heart that it was going to be the place for me. And literally when I arrived on Spelman's campus, like it was like, oh, it literally felt like home, like as if I had toured it. And I don't know, Shahi, what was your experience? Um, Just as far as, as far as like picking or like, um, I would, they definitely didn't push HBCUs. I will say that definitely. They weren't like, like our guidance counselors and like our, mm -hmm. our teachers at our high school that it wasn't a thing that they were. Ivy League schools. Yeah, it was Ivy League schools. It was the local schools, the schools that, you know, the guidance counselors had relationships mm -hmm. with from previous years, you know, that type of a thing. Um, but um, once I got there or making the decision, honestly, for me, my decision was made because like my first year I went to Marsh Brown College. So mine's was like last minute um, application type of thing. So luckily, which also is 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 a good thing about HBCUs also is that there are schools that um, there's a little more leeway mm -hmm. as far as maybe able to apply later or. You may be able to see, you know what I'm saying? There just be there may be a little more leeway than at um a PWI or a big state school or something like that. And in my case, Morris Brown was that I applied super late. You didn't pay the application. I didn't pay the application. You did fee. the essay. I did do the you essay. Did not, but you have really great SAT scores. Really? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't think they expected um somebody with my essay, whatever, I could quote unquote academic background, which was not fabulous, by the way, but still, I think it was 
they knew that I'd be able to handle Morris Brown, I think. So when I got there, um, driving from Boston all the way to Atlanta, it was me and a couple buddies. But like um, Nabulenji, like when I got to that dorm and I just saw a bunch of kids that looked like me, were trying to do better for themselves, um, made a choice to 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 come here. And um, I never forget there was a guy. He had dreadlocks. He kind of looks like how I look now. He had long dreadlocks. He had on everything, uh, school Nelia, and he was just welcoming everybody. And it was like, I, I like when I was I, I definitely felt like I made the right decision. Like, like they're gonna nurture me here. They're, they're, they're interested in my success here. I'm not just like another student or another, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Not so. just getting lost in the sauce. Right. Um, there was just, there's just so many traditions that are specific to HBCUs that you're not gonna find at PWIs. Um, one of the things at Spelman they have is what's called like the, um, I think it's called like the parting ceremony. Mm. And um, so, you know, you arrive on campus and I think like that first weekend, you know, your parents were dropping you off. And the intent is that by Sunday, your parents should be leaving campus and leaving you to, you know, develop into an adult and trusting you in Spelman's arms. And um, the way that happens is at the end of orientation, there's like this long, I guess you could say solo train line, except that it's not, but it's like this long line. And um, on each side of the line are like academic professors, student leaders, you know, SOL leaders, they're called student orientation leaders. And then there's these African drummers and it's an all female African drum um, drummer squad. And they're just playing like this mad bomb beat going up down the middle of the solo train line as I call it and um and then right behind them you know on the side is like are the parents and the kids and we're walking through and then at the end the idea is that you know the the kids turn right onto campus and the parents turn left off of campus and there's just like sobbing and crying and then you have like the African drum beats pulsating and then on the sides you have like the student orientation leaders and the professors of like cheering you like you got this you got this and you just really feel like you're going to be okay that you're being enveloped into like this new family and um ah it's just so beautiful and I remember going back as you know the following year when I was like an orientation leader I was a resident assistant and being able to partake on that from the other side. And I remember when we took my sister back to college, dropped her off her freshman year at Spelman. And when we were like walking down and crying, it was, ah, God, it's just, those are like, there are just so many different traditions that we had. And there's so many ways that like these schools are really similar to like what you saw in school days, like the wake ups and, oh mm -hmm. my God. That's so let's take it to homecoming, right? You guys go, and, and again, you guys were just there, and you know, Nabs, you were celebrating a, a milestone for your, you know, illustrious sorority um, and your chapter. So, what is it that you know, besides those milestone moments, keeps you going back year over year um, to be reimmersed in the community and and feel that home? Well, I mean, it's definitely homecoming because you literally are coming back home. That's what it feels like. Um, homecoming week in at a HBCU is comprised of so many different things. The first week, Monday through Friday, are things more so for the on-campus students. And then the latter part of the week are for the old heads or the alum who come back. It's more catered towards us. Um, when I was 
at Spelman, I actually, one of the things that's traditional at HBCUs is you have um, coronations. Um, we have like a, I guess it will be similar in high schools to like, you know, a homecoming court, mm-hmm. but it's different. Campus Queen, um, just HBCUs, they're just always trying to be very empowering and uplifting. You know, we were kings, we were queens. And I was actually Miss Spelman College my senior year at Spelman. And so um, during homecoming is when you have your coronation. And then that Saturday is when there's the parade. And every year there's annually like a reunion of, you know, the queens, which I never go back to. Um, But that's a a big part, you know, of homecoming. (laughs) That's a big part of homecoming. Mm -hmm. But just like the, um, it feels like a big family reunion. And many people come back for homecoming and look forward to it even more than they do the actual reunion, which is like a different vibe. But I mean, it's just like a big old barbecue. Yeah. A barbecue slash family reunion. Um, once I was down at USC for a tailgate during a home game and that looked pretty similar to homecoming just as far as like the crowds and like, you know, that kind of reminded me of homecoming. Um, Vibe. The, the just just how many people were there and like how big but this was just an average football game no. on us on it but what i would say would probably be different i would imagine is different is that it's more of a reunion vibe also where where it's like um you're just hugging people or you're greeting people you're catching up with people you you don't know if you recognize them all the time you think you recognize them you're not sure you're on the yard at the same time but if they if they meet your eye, then yes. y'all know what's going on. Happy, happy homecoming. homecoming. Happy, happy homecoming. That's the yes. Happy homecoming. You yes. don't have to remember anybody's name. Right. Nothing. Everyone is drinking. Everyone's eating. Everyone's sharing food. And it's like one thing that we've talked about so many times is that it's such a huge, dense, like bottlenecking situation, but you feel so safe and embraced. Like mm. you never hear about any violence at the Spellhouse homecoming. Like. There's no, like, police presence. You know, you're not scared about being shanked. I mean, it's like you're amongst your brothers and sisters, your aunties, your nieces, mm. your nephews. The, and then you see old heads that, coming back. Yes. You see old heads. We have for one of our best friends, like, his dad's been coming back to homecoming for, like, 40, 50 years. I mean, you see old people with, like, rockers rocking their nailia and coming back. And, and, you see, and then you'll see... A, a, a eight-year-old who's, yes. who's who's trying to be indoctrinated yeah. by, by that grandparent or something. So it's it's it's, it's one of like the few things as African Americans yes. where like there's a tradition, yes. a multi-generational tradition that you can like tap into. You know what I mean? I'm sure there are other things, but I'm just like yeah, and it just spreads far and wide and outside the gates of Spelman and. Just so everyone's just doing so many beautiful, wonderful things. But when they come back, no matter what you're doing, like people will have <laughs> the most prestigious mm. professions. But at homecoming, they're just as ratchet as the next person. It's just a chance for you to remember your undergrad years and remember that really priceless, precious time mm-hmm. in life. And it's and it's and it can be recharging also, yes. especially if you if you live in a city where you don't have a large african-american community or you don't feel like you have that support when you go to homecoming you remember that there's love in this world for who we are you know what i'm saying it's okay to be us you know what i'm saying and when we're with us we good you know what i'm saying 
So I definitely, that that is definitely a thing. Like I've had friends who were like down and was like, bro, you need to go to homecoming. Yeah. Year. You, you, you forgot who you are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's you, true story. You're, you're not yourself. True story. You need to go get recharged. Got lost with some yes. in LA mm-hmm. and, you know, went to one homecoming after having been away from the A mm-hmm. for decades. Yes. And ended up moving to Atlanta, like a few months later, yeah. Never looking back. So I mean, I don't know. <sighs> Touched on it a little bit. I wanted to follow up on the idea that like the homecoming vibe extends, you know, beyond campus. What does that look like? Like, how does that that vibe mm-hmm. that you feel during homecoming yes. extend when you're not on the yard? Um. Well, kind of related. When it's like homecoming week, even for those folks who are not able to make it back to homecoming, there are always so many like pre-homecoming parties, like in different cities. Oh, for all y'all who can't make it to Atlanta, you know, we're doing that West Coast um, homecoming. Um, And sometimes it's not just Spellhouse. It'll be like HBCU, HBCU wide homecoming because I'm usually around like the same vicinity. And so everyone will come and be like repping their smooth colors or jerseys or whatever playing, you know, like the music you'd expect to hear and just eating and just having a good old amazing time. But the um homecoming spirit, the way that it, it extends beyond the gates is just um, you know, just anytime you see someone, like if you see a light after you leave homecoming, you see a license plate that says Morehouse or Spellman. You can be breaking your necks like me, you know, and say hello if you see someone wearing and I mean, I'm sure it's like that with any school. If you see someone who's wearing, you know, a U-Pin shirt, whatever. Oh, hey, when did you graduate? Blah, blah, blah. So it's just like a, a way of, you know, connecting. Um, it, the diaspora is wide. And it's, you know, it's just like another way of like, you know, connect. But one, one way off campus, I'm, I don't know if this is specifically how you mean, but like you also have to, where are you staying during home? Mm-hmm. Who who are who are your who are your bunkmates? So yeah. like with us, we have a family that we stay with. They have kids. Like she said, there's an older. Um, and this is my this is like my best my right. best friends from freshman year. So you know, yeah, we all stayed in the same dorm freshman year, and then um, two of them pledged. Then I pledged the following year. Then the other two pledged. So like the five of us, you know, we're all sororers. And but yeah, we're like best lifelong best friends. Right. Like um. He's saying family, like, you know, it's, but we're family also. Right, but, right, right. You know, my best friend and her husband, we always stay with them. And then, you know, we all had kids together. Yeah. And yeah, so. And so that house turns into another homecoming yeah. event. Yeah. It's alone that night, totally separate yeah. from, you know, the on-campus activities. Yeah. That was crazy. The but... off-campus humanity <laughs> just as crazy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, and yeah. And so stuff like that, for example, this year. They, uh, Maker's Mark had made uh, two um, brews, one for Spellman, one for Morehouse. House. So the lick, the store was backed up with people um, trying to get those bottles. Um, and it's just, I feel like people know it's homecoming. People know, like, the city, in, in the city of Atlanta, like, Morehouse and Spellman, it's like everyone knows when they're back in town. Everyone knows when the students are the there. Radio it's it's part of the city. You know, it's part of the culture. So... Homecoming, I assume, is is probably very similar in that. Oh, now the all them old ones are coming back. It's not just gonna be the regulars. Now we got 
everyone from 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 yeah. time and you know yeah. going into perpetuity. Whoever's been there who can make it may be here. And so the city does like kind of open its arms and they and they know that's what it is. We always joke about the fact that like when you're in undergrad, when you're at these institutions, that like I said, that week before Monday through Friday, that was those are the events that are like catered more so towards the students. But then that weekend is when the alum come back. I remember being in college, like, uh, homecoming. We were so annoyed. Like, uh, here come all them old people <laughs> taking over our campus, reminiscing, <laughs> clogging up the bookstore. Mm -hmm. The cafeteria lines are gonna be all long. Just uh can't wait till homecoming's over. And then as soon as you graduate, oh my gosh, because it's like, oh my God, my Spelman experience is over. Oh no, it's not. Cause there's always homecoming and like yeah. you come back and it's like you become that open head and you completely get it. You're like, this is our camp. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you become the annoying auntie that okay. uh taken yeah. But I could hook somebody up with a gig. I'm curious, this is my last question, you know, given how HBCUs again are on a rise and an uptick and, and even I feel like the global understanding of what homecomings are at, you know, HBCUs is like being taken to a new level. Um, and it's almost like going pop, if you would. What do you feel like your institutions need to pivot and do at this point to make sure they're still serving, you know, their students, their mission statements, and, and really continuing to prepare, you know, the next generation of, you know, young women leaders at Spelman, young men leaders at Morehouse? Right. Um, well, I can definitely say that I feel as though Spelman is very much doing that. I mean, we've just consistently been um, noted to be like the number one institution for producing the highest um, percentages of African-Americans with PhDs, with um, medical doctors. Um, and we, we just top so many lists for excellence. And it's just becoming so and so it's so competitive to get into Spelman at this point. I mean, the um, the caliber of alumna that we are producing ends up making it so that we are also attracting that type. Um, a lot of celebrities do end up wanting to send their, we get a lot of big donors, um, even people who did not attend Spelman or Morehouse. We've gotten big donors to Morehouse, to Spelman, because of the fact that um, they do have a reputation for producing such excellence. Um, I think that we just have to make sure to continue to support our institutions, making sure that we um, continue to give back financially and that we s speak up about our institutions. We're really hoping that our son and daughter end up following in our footsteps and going to Spelman and Morehouse. And you just have to like keep the traditions alive and not forget where you came from. Um, I mean, you just and then for people who just don't want to believe the hype, you just point to all of the excellence and all. If you look at like the black excellence and like so many people who, you know, whether we're talking about in politics, um, just like any industry in medicine um, and law, so many of them were HBCU made, at least like in undergrad. Oh, I just also wanted to say that um, on a unrelated note, definitely... Beyonce's Beachella performance really helped to popularize and bring back up, you know, like home, just the fact that it was, you know, it was like homecoming. Yeah. Definitely, she did a really great job, you know, representing what it's like, you know, like the HBCU bands and mm -hmm. just like the whole vibe and the crowd. And she herself had said, you know, she always thought she, you know, if she was an entertainer, it was always her goal to go 
to an HBCU and I don't know. No, that's a great I, point. That, was, that is definitely one of those things that, that takes it over the edge and global. Cause I, we were just watching that the other night and it's timeless. And that thing is going to be like school days, like different yeah. world. That's going to be when you, if you were to put HPUs in a time capsule to say, this is yeah. what they were. Yeah. That. So many people did a semester. I always encourage people, even if you don't go to an HBCU, if you do even like a semester, we had so many students that actually would do like a semester from California, from NYU, from wherever, and quid pro quo to do like a semester at an HBCU. And it's just like life changing. So many people are like, oh my God. I always tell people that people do not regret going to an HBCU, but sometimes you have people who do regret not you know, people like, man, I'd always wanted to go to an HBCU. So, I mean, it's our history. It feels so good. It's it's home. It's home. There's no place like home. Mm-hmm. No place like home. I hear you. Anything on that, Shaw? You done? <laughs> she, she summed it up. Uh, she's very good. She's very good. Um, I think, I think the schools are doing good. I mean, um, we can't compete with Spelman because, you know, they're Spelman. Petty <laughs> too, she is. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I'm I'm hoping, especially for you know the the guys, because I don't know, like I, I feel like the ladies are gonna, you know, they're gonna gravitate towards academics, and Spelman is such a a strong like drawing force that I don't think we have to necessarily like worry per se, not to say ignore, but like Spelman is doing its thing. I think Morehouse could you know, do a little better. I think they're working on it. I think um, diversity and some of their stuff, I think sometimes they get a little um, like hyper-focused on the business side of Morehouse and they don't really, you know, they could do a little better in STEM. They could do a little better in like entertainment and nurturing creativity amongst their students. I think there's a little bit of a formulaic um approach there but you know other than that no complaints i think i think um we're on the right track well listen i thank you too for sharing it is clear in talking <laughs> to you that there's pride and that is what i wanted to come through in this interview so i appreciate you for for sharing some of that with me and my audience so until next time i'm sure i have some reason to check in hbcu related or otherwise Please. yeah i love you the kids and, and i'll talk to and you I- soon all right. Thanks a lot, man. And, and I'll talk to and you I... soon. All right. Thanks a lot, man. I want to thank Nabalanchi and Shahi one more time for coming onto the podcast and sharing their pride, their perspective on Spelman and Morehouse. Again, it's talking to folks like the Andersons that give me that FOMO that I did not have that time on the yard, do not have the connection to a Spelman or a Morehouse as they do. But again, there was Carol money that went to two HBCUs. So I have adopted Lincoln and Howard as my own, thanks to my brother and sister. So my HBCU cup continues to remain filled. And again, I will always have the pride of being able to say that my step team stepped in the Howard homecoming and won. So wanted to make sure that that was clear if it wasn't from the earlier segment. 
The other thing that I want to say about HBCUs before I wrap up and get into the honor roll is that as Nabalunji in particular mentioned, and Shahid alluded to this as well, gone are the days when you can just think of applying to HBCU as some kind of second or, you know, consolation prize. The best and the brightest are now putting HBCUs at the top of their list. And so the competition to get into HBCUs is growing. You can no longer just take it as something that you can apply to, even though many still do have rolling admissions and God bless them for it. But just like with other schools, so-called top tier schools, if you really want to go to an HBCU, such as Spelman, Howard, Morehouse, Hampton, North Carolina A&T, you really should be considering that early decision option in the same way that students think about the Harvard, Yale, Princeton's, Columbia's, Penn's, Yale's, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm really happy to see that because forever, HBCUs have provided a quality education, been leaders in producing PhDs and professionals in medicine, law, business, engineering, so forth and so on. And so I'm happy to see that they are getting their due in the admission spotlight in these times. We'll be right back. Let's do some honor roll and then we'll close up shop. For the honor roll this week, I want to salute Lisa Johnson and her team over at Private School Village and Somos PSV for what they're doing, bringing initially black families together across independent schools in LA to have a sense of community and then branching off and now also having an org for Latino, Latinx, Latine families. They had their annual sneaker soiree this weekend. So again, a common theme this week, the FOMO, was not able to attend, but again, glad that there are people willing to put in the hours so that students inside of schools, their families feel connection and a sense of belonging, not only in the schools, but across multiple schools. So that if you're in a school and you're the only one, you at least know that you have a larger community that you are a part of. Racial literacy, also a big part of what private school village is all about so that students understand the racialization process how to cope with it how to rise above it so salute to lisa johnson and the board at private school village keep up the good work i look forward to continuing to support your programming your efforts in the future that's a wrap for this week, my friends. I look forward to getting back with you next week with some more notes. Until then, be safe and have a good one. The views expressed by John Carroll and his guest in the preceding podcast are solely that of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers, companies, or other associated parties. Mm -hmm.